With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Today on Sick to Football, it is NFC South time. We're going to be breaking down the drafts, grading those drafts, Picking a division winner, it's going to be a grand old time. This might be the best division in football. Maybe a little sneaky, but we're going to get you caught up on what these teams did. Matt Mello and Connor Rogers, where it's raining in Hoboken, so you'll probably hear a thunderstorm. That puts me to sleep, so hopefully it doesn't during the show. Hopefully we don't either. Boys, we've been teasing it for a couple days, and we have some big news to break right here off the top of the show this week will be the last week of Stick to Football for a couple of months. We are going on vacation. Ten years of Bleacher Report. I have never taken a summer off. As we get into year three of the podcast, we want to take a break, a little bit of a pause, reimagine the show. So May May 14th, excuse me, will be the last Stick to Football until we're looking at maybe mid-July, guys, maybe late July, depending on what happens with the pandemic, what happens with sports schedules we are excited about this. We know some of you will not be. Uh, we are going to take that break. When we come back, we want your input, though. What is the show going to look like? What do you like? What do you not like? What do you want more of? What do you want less of? So coming back in July, I know I am personally excited to be able to take a step back. Connor, we've been doing this show for three years. Mello, you've been with us for about two and a half. We now get a chance to actually stop and think about what we want Stick to Football to actually be and then we get to put that into effect next year. I'm excited about it because my whole career choices have been worked around not working in the summertime. <laughs> so I'm glad I can finally get you guys on board with that too. Yeah, teacher schedule. I think there's a lot of good that can come out of it. I mean, number one, us being refreshed and ready to go will be really, really exciting. Uh, if you've listened to this show during the long summers, we're all rotating and trying to figure out how and when and if we can take vacations. And that puts a lot of pressure, obviously, on us. And We've had no problem, you know, pulling through through those times, but it'll be nice for that. But more importantly, we've heard your complaints about the show length. We totally understand. We want to come back and make Stick to Football the best product it can be. And that's going to include remaining as a show you can watch in the app, remaining as a show you can watch on YouTube, but not just 20 minutes, not just 25 minutes, not just 30 minutes, back to an hour, back to an hour plus, player interviews, obviously a lot of different fun things that we bring to the table, top fives, all of that kind of stuff, answering more of your draft on draft questions. So when Stick to Football does return in July, it's going to be returning with a bang. And I think that's something that everybody can be excited about. And it's not like we're going anywhere. We will still be on Twitter. We will yes. still be in the Bleach yes. Report app. So if you start to miss us, you can still hate tweet us. We will be there. Nothing's changing as far as that goes. All right, we still hate Dave Gettleman, so don't worry, Giants fans. Yeah, don't, yeah nothing will change. Uh, I might just not be a Niners fan when we come back officially. All right, let's jump into this, though. We have some teams to break down. The New Orleans Saints, guys, only four picks in the 2020 NFL draft, but... I believe they made a big impact with these mellow lead us off, buddy. Uh, where do you have this team graded? I, I can't believe they only had four picks in this draft, but I really think they hit it with every single one of them. And I'll start with the big guy up front, Cesar Ruiz out of Michigan. He's listed as a center, 
I think he's going to play a lot of guard this year as well. And you got to protect Drew Brees. I like this move. I like that they have a veteran quarterback and they say, let's go protect this guy with one of the best interior offensive linemen, the best interior offensive lineman in this class, even if he plays guard. You need to get Alvin Kamara going in the running game so that he can get going in the passing game as well. I think Cesar Ruiz is the guy who comes in and fixes that problem immediately. I really like this class. Even despite having four picks, I'm still going to give this a B plus. I really like what the Saints did, and I really like the players that they picked up. Yeah, the Saints somehow went out and got really instant impact kind of guys. And with four picks, it's hard to get an A. It's nearly impossible. But when you look at this group, the impact they can get from those two guys that I had in my top 30, Ruiz and Vaughn, I gave this group a B. I think that they got a productive offensive starter right away in Ruiz who was plug and play. And like Melo said, guard and center. That matters, especially as you move on from a veteran in, in Larry Warford. So when you look at the defensive side of the ball in Zach Vaughn, this is a do-it-all backer for the middle of your defense. He's somebody that has shown he can rush the passer. He's somebody that's made plays against the run. And he's athletic enough to help out in coverage. And I think for the Saints... They have someone that could do that in Demario Davis. He's getting a little older. Now you get another piece like that in Zach Bond. I think this is really, really exciting. So Adam Troutman, I had him as an early day three tight end, and, and that's based essentially right around where they took him. Tommy Stevens, I'm curious to see how they use him because now you have a lot of quarterbacks in one room, but I think they'll have some kind of plan for him. So this was a B for me, a very good draft for the Saints, considering they only made four selections. Yeah, that's the big takeaway here. Only four picks. It's hard to make a team that, I mean, they have Super Bowl aspirations. This is it for Drew Brees after this year. He's going to NBC to call Notre Dame football games. This is the last dance for Drew Brees. Did they do enough to load up the roster to keep that Super Bowl window open? In, like I said, a very tough division that now has Tom Brady, now has Teddy Bridgewater starting for the Carolina Panthers. I gave this a B minus. And I think the player here, the only player left that you guys didn't mention is Adam Trotman at tight end out of Dayton. He was my number two tight end in the 2020 draft class. I know the level of competition was not great, but anytime he leveled up and played better defenses, God, this looks like a high school field. Anytime he did that, our man showed up. And I like Adam Trotman. I said in my notes in the scouting report, there's a little George Kittle to his game. He'll play dirty. He'll play nasty. He'll play physical. But you see his ability to run seam routes. He's athletic moving down the field. I do not think he's going to take Jared Cook's job anytime soon. But now you can work some two tight end sets. Don't forget, they added Emmanuel Sanders. You get a healthy Alvin Kamara in the backfield. I think this team is going to be one of the best in the NFL again in 2020 as soon as we see the Saints back on the field. Now, guys, the Atlanta Falcons finished second in this division last year. In 2019, they used two first-round picks on the offensive line. They come back this year with a focus on defense and adding a couple more weapons for Matt Ryan. Mello, start us off, buddy. What's your grade, and how did you like really a, a draft that focused a lot on the trenches? Yeah, I like this draft. I think they did an okay job. I'm going to give it a B. Uh, I think that they reached a little bit for some of these guys. You look at A.J. Terrell at pick 16. That's not where I had him slotted, but I did think he would go in the first round. And I think this was a weird draft where they probably did a lot of work to try to move up and get a guy like Chase Young or get a Jeff Akuda. They didn't do a whole lot of work on let's trade back and try to get A.J. Terrell later in this draft. So a weird draft with Corona going on, not being able to trade and communicate with your partner so much. So I like the A.J. Terrell pick. I think that he's a guy who fits very well in this defense, who can be that lengthy corner, who can come in, do the cover three stuff that you need to, 
and you have to be able to stop the pass to win this division. So I like this this draft for him, specifically A.J. Terrell. I'm going to give him a B uh, for their draft class. Not my favorite draft here for the Falcons. I was a little harsh and gave this one a C-. minus. I thought Terrell was a second-round player and has a lot of developing to do. Marlon Davidson, I had him in the second round. I think he'll be a fine starter. I like Matt Hennessy in the third round at that point. I think he could be an average starting center. Was not a fan of any of the day three picks, to be honest with you. I thought they took Michael Walker a little early, drafted a punter. And once again, I think what this comes down to, why I was so harsh and gave this a C minus, is because when you look at Terrell here, guys, I thought they passed on a lot of good players. I thought Caleb on Chason was somebody that could have made a way bigger impact for this defense. I thought, yes, they desperately needed a corner. But if you were going to reach on Terrell, I'd rather just trade one of those day two selections and try to go up for somebody like C.J. Henderson. I would have taken Jeff Gladney instead of A.J. Terrell. So when I looked at this, once again, I would have taken C.D. Lamb instead of A.J. Terrell. So for the Falcons, uh, listen, it's not a horrible draft. I think two of these guys will develop into long-term starters. I just don't see big-time impact at all in a division where you got to constantly be taking haymaker swings. This, to me, felt like a team that had put all their eggs in the C.J. Henderson basket. And when he went nine overall to Jacksonville, they were like, uh-oh, what do we do now? And they just <laughs> took the next best corner on their board instead of the next best player on their board, which probably would have been a C.D. Lamb, a Caleb on Chase on. There were options there, maybe even one of the safeties, even though we didn't see a run on that position happen. So that, to me, felt a little bit cute. In my notes that night, I wrote down, there are a lot of, a lot of reaches with these picks, I mean, even I thought Matt Hennessy, that was a good value, but Marlon Davidson for that defense, playing next to Grady Jarrett, that is absolutely going to help him. But as you said, Connor, those day three picks, a lot of reaches. And when your first round pick is a reach, that's a little concerning for me. But let's go back to Marlon Davidson. When we first started scouting this guy, it was like, oh, this is an edge rusher. And he's like 275 pounds. And then you see him at the senior bowl in person and you're like, no, no, my man had some sandwiches. He's a nose tackle. He's a defensive tackle. And he showed up in Mobile one day of practice before he hurt his ankle. In that one day, he put himself into a top 50 player conversation. Now, he wasn't drafted there, but Marlon Davidson next to Grady Jarrett with the speed on the edge of Tack McKinley and Dante Fowler gives them something that could be very, very special in the middle. We know they have speed at linebacker. Hopefully, guys like Keanu Neal can develop at safety. I thought A.J. Trail was a little bit of a reach. That's why I gave this one a C+. It's a good roster. We know how explosive they can be on offense, but the defense is going to have to step up. Don't forget, guys, send your draft on draft questions in. You can leave them right here in the comment section below. If you're listening to the podcast version of this, still send those draft on draft questions. Just hashtag them on Twitter. We're going to check those out. We'll get them into the shows on Wednesday or Thursday afternoon. Now, today's show is sponsored by PlayStation, home to MLB The Show, the official game of people everywhere who just need a break from the world for a few hours. With jaw-dropping graphics and more gameplay than ever, MLB The Show is a great reminder of what outside looks like. We know you miss the crack of the bat, the roar of the crowd, and the sensation of the sun on your skin. So PlayStation has you covered with MLB The Show. Finally, baseball you won't want to leave at the bottom of the 7th so you can beat traffic. If you're looking for other escapes, PlayStation also offers Call of Duty Modern Warfare because even that is less stressful than the world today. Thank you to PlayStation for sponsoring Stick to Football. If they could just capture the like hot dog taste or the smell of the popcorn, it's pretty it's pretty good. It's like a good I, game. I think that maybe we branch off and we start to stick to baseball podcast when this thing's 
on hiatus. We are going to have some free time this summer now, <laughs> so maybe maybe stick to baseball coming to you on Tuesdays and Fridays. Not really. All right, let's get into the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Probably no team in the NFL is more changed from where we saw them in Week 17 to where we'll see them in Week 1. Tom Brady's in. Gronk is in. The defense is going to look a lot different. Congress to start us off today. They went offensive tackle in round one, but boy, did they get an impact player at 45 overall. Oh, I loved this draft, guys. I mean, listen, I give this an A. And they got two of my round one graded players, Tristan Wirfs, who I thought was the second best offensive lineman in this class. And then to get Antoine Winfield Jr. when they did, He's going to be a star under Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles played safety in the NFL. He's coached very, very good safeties. And most importantly, he's developed safeties over the years. So when you look at that matchup, I think it's absolutely perfect. Keyshawn Vaughn will bring an explosive element to their offense at the running back position. I think this team did a phenomenal job. I had Tyler Johnson in the fourth round. They got him in the fifth. So I think he'll even find his way to get some targets in that offense. But When you look at the impact that a guy like Antoine Winfield Jr. can make for a defense when he is healthy, he is a turnover machine. That's what matters so much. And for the Bucs, they have lacked that kind of presence in their secondary for a couple years now. They've taken their swings in the draft. They've tried. They've just missed a little bit. And they took a lot of DBs last year that are still developing, but nobody on the level of Winfield Jr. He's somebody that can come up in the box, make plays in the backfield, great instincts, but also really good awareness and coverage. And once again, working with Todd Bowles, that is the best thing that can happen to him. So for the Bucks, this is an A all the way. And I think when, and I'm going like, to give you, this one. Yeah, go ahead, guys. I'm going to give this one a B. I, I, or sorry, uh, I'm going to go A- minus on this one. I really like their draft. Like you were talking about, Connor, I really like Werfs and the fact that he was there for them and available. Great pick. Uh, one of the best tackles in this class. You get Antoine Winfield Jr., who we all loved on this podcast. Yes. Why the hell did you trade up, though? You gave up a fourth-round pick to that move up one spot. <laughs> Like, uh, why did you do it? So I'm actually okay with that because you're securing your guy. You're making sure that the you Niners... You believe the Niners BS. That's all no, you did. Joe you got Taylor retired. You had to trade up to make sure they weren't going to take a tackle. That's why I think they did it. I mean, I get you. It's like you never trade up one spot to get your guy. Niners must not have wanted him two bags. They yeah. traded out. Okay, so This go ahead. is the <laughs> difference between an A-plus and an A-minus here, I think, though. You gave up a valuable pick that you probably would have nailed because you did on the rest of your draft. Uh, I really like it, but I, I don't understand why you gave up a fourth-round pick even though you get that seventh rounder back woot woot this is an a minus draft it's a very good draft i just don't know why teams keep doing this with the 49ers the hey we're gonna trade up and we're gonna get your guy you better trade with us so we don't draft him what i think no. there was a lot of fear that like the denver broncos would try to jump up and get a tackle because garrett Bowles isn't good um so i i do agree it's it's the niners are in people's head about this Hopefully Very it works much. better for Tampa than it did for the Chicago Bears. But I do agree with you guys. Tristan Wirfs was the number two tackle on my board. I'm a huge fan of his athleticism. I know there's some, you know, thought maybe he's not a left tackle. It's okay. Donovan Smith will be. He could play on the right side and be very, very good. We saw him do that at Iowa. No concerns about that. Antoine Whitfield Jr. is going to play the honey badger role for this team. Remember, Bruce Arians and Todd Bowles had the honey badger coming out of LSU. They know how to use a player like that who can just roam and eat and feast on offenses. I think that's what we'll see Antoine Whitfield Jr. do. But how about Keyshawn Vaughn? Fantasy football players, remember this dude's name deep in drafts because I'm not convinced Ronald Jones is going to be able to hang consistently for an entire season. Keyshawn Vaughn, an excellent receiver out of the backfield. And if this offense is anything like what we saw in New England, they're going to rotate backs in here very, very often. And hey, I haven't thought they did a good job in round five of getting my guy Tyler Johnson to play in that slot role. 
I wouldn't be surprised if he's the number three receiver on this team. Now, they have two very good tight ends that they're going to have to spread the ball around to. Three, excuse me. Two and a half. We'll call it two and a half tight ends. But Tyler Johnson is going to get some looks here. So I have to give this an A+. I thought they had excellent value the first two rounds. They dominated there. And then they checked needs off to build a roster that can win right now. Because that's what you're trying to do with Tom Brady. This is not about next year. This is about right now. And these are all plug-and-play type players. Now, how about the lowly Carolina Panthers, a team that did not tank badly enough for a quarterback. They're moving on with Teddy Two Gloves at the position. Connor, take it away. What's your grade for Matt Rule's new team? I'm okay with signing Teddy, but once again, guys, I think if you do that, you really need to put an emphasis on the offensive line, and I have not seen the Panthers do that yet. So when you look at this draft, I gave it a C. Derek Brown, I know he's going to be a good player, but did you need to take a defensive tackle with a top 10 pick? That's not necessarily what I'm convinced of, and even if you needed to do that because you feel like he was too good to pass up, they didn't address the offensive line again on day two. So this draft, I mean, listen, Jeremy Chin, I thought the hype got a little bit out of control. Yitor Gross Matos is somebody that can de- definitely develop in the front seven. I think his pass rush plan is not fully there, but, you know, they can coach him up. But once again, how much impact are they going to get out of this class besides Derek Brown? I don't see it. They needed help on run defense. That unit was terrible last year. Matt Rule comes in there, and he's just simply not going to accept getting run on like that. So they obviously prioritized Brown, who the best part of his game is against the run and has power against as a pass rusher. But for the Panthers here, I just don't think they've done enough on the offensive line to let Teddy succeed. They have a ton at wide receiver. They have one of the best running backs in the NFL. They have a young, exciting offensive coordinator. I just don't understand this, the strategy of this draft. I really don't understand it. I'm going to give them a C. They didn't draft a single offensive player. I don't know it's how insane. you do that. I mean... There are some holes, obviously, on the offensive line in this, on this team. Maybe you want to get, you know, a backup running back, at least late. You have to target some kind of offense. I like what they're building on the defense. I like those two big defensive tackles. And then you're going to put the speed rush on the outside with a, you know, a Brian Burns and a Yeter Gross Matos. I really like the way that he's going to fit into this defense. You're just, you're trusting Joe Brady a lot to figure out the offensive side when you're going to let the big guys like this eat on the defensive side. It's a bold strategy, but when you have that long of a contract, I guess you can start taking risk and say, well, look at that 2021 draft. There's some good offensive talent there, but I do like the gross Meadows pick. It's a C for me. Uh, I wish they would have addressed the offensive line and a little bit more on the offensive side. I don't love the Derek Brown pick in the top 10 either. I think that that's a position it's very hard to get your value at uh, in the top 10. So probably could have traded down and worked some magic there on the draft board. I'm going to give this one a C. I think y'all are crazy. I liked this draft a lot. I, and uh, yeah, like I would have loved to have seen them go on offense, but they traded for Russell Okung. And I know moving Trey Turner is a big part of that, but now Yuck. they're set up with a little more financial flexibility. And you're getting a proven left tackle with the hopes maybe that Greg Little can sit and learn how to do this and be your starter moving Double forward. But Derek, Derek Brown, <laughs> I do feel a little bit like was a reach, but we also knew that pick was going to happen. So it's like, I guess I was kind of conditioned to it, a little numb to drafting a nose tackle at seven overall. Uh, I like to get Yuto Grossmatos around too. That was a steal for me. Maybe the steal of the draft. And then I am a big Jeremy Chin fan. I think especially in this defense where he's going to play a little bit of a rover. He's going to play strong safety. He's probably going to play some weak side linebacker. We've seen the Carolina Panthers have success with that. It was Shaq Thompson with a lot of other players. Thomas Davis, who were good athletes. So I'm excited about this class. I am a Matt Rule and Joe Brady fan. I think they're going to be able to figure this out. 
but this division is very tough. So while the Panthers might be better, I don't know if their record's going to be better. They might be one of the teams fighting for a Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trey Lance in 2021, even though I am the biggest Teddy Bridgewater fan in the world. So I gave it a B. I like the draft overall, but as you guys said, maybe a little cute going all defense? Maybe. I don't maybe. Know. Maybe a little cute. Let's pick a division winner, go around the horn. Mello, who is winning the NFC South? It's still the Saints. Uh, you mentioned it. They might be one of the best teams in the NFL. You bet your ass they're one of the best teams in the NFC. I love what they're doing with this team and how they're building it. And Drew Brees for one more year, that's going to rally that locker room to say we, we're doing one more for Drew. And I think it's going to work with Sean Payton there. Saints win this division easily. I'm not right, picking Connor, against New Orleans. I'm not picking against New Orleans. No way. I think the Saints are phenomenal. I thought what they did in the draft was very, very impressive. You look at their draft and go, hey, maybe they can get one player. It feels like they got two, especially when you can add Bond into the mix on defense. So I'll take the Saints. I think the Panthers got a lot better. I think the Bucks are going to be a lot of fun to watch this year and very, very competitive. The Falcons kind of in the middle somewhere. So New Orleans all the way. Yeah, I hate to do this, but I'm going to make it three for three and go with the Saints as well because, as I always say, Not trying to be cute, trying to be right. And that is what I'm doing with the Saints. All right, you guys left some draft-on-draft questions. We're going to answer three of them. Tori B, did the Bucs do everything in their power to maximize a run with Tom Brady? I think you have to say yes there. I don't know what more they could have done under the loose restrictions of a salary cap and with the picks they had. I think they have opened that Super Bowl window a little bit. Yeah, I think a lot of people talked about it early in the offseason. This was a very good team that was maybe held back a little bit by their quarterback. And then you go out and you add, you know, a decent depth running back, a very good offensive lineman, and one hell of a safety. I do think they did everything in their power. I think they've nailed the offseason, and, and no team has done a better job of building this team up from where they were to where they are now than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Without a doubt. I mean, what else could you ask from them? They convinced Rob Gronkowski to come out of retirement after getting Tom Brady to come down south and work with Bruce Arians. You know, Todd Bowles wasn't a great head coach. He's a phenomenal defensive coordinator. He really is. The guy can game plan with the best of them. So I think they have a good staff down there. Um, You know, the offense got a lot better. My question with them was the offensive line. And Tristan Wirfs, to me, was the second best offensive lineman in the draft. They got him all the way at 13. They needed a playmaking safety. They got that. I don't really know what else they could have done. A great job by the Bucs. And they're going to be must-watch TV this year. No, I absolutely agree. I think they did a great job of of getting those weapons that we said as we said those are plug and play players these are not developmental guys you're not trading up for Marcus Davenport to you know like the Saints did you're taking guys that we think can step in and play right away all right second question from JPG 89 could Anthony McFarland take over RB1 the RB1 spot in Pittsburgh within the next two seasons Anthony McFarland running back out of Maryland he carved up our Texas Longhorns Twice. I think it's a possibility. Uh, When you look at this running back room, there's a lot of talent there. Obviously, everyone wants to see James Conner perform and be very successful. Uh, We didn't last year, though, so it's going to be hard to tell. And with little Booger McFarland, the dude can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's added some bulk to his size. I think that there's enough to say in the next two years, could he be RB1? Yeah, I, I think there is enough to say that. I think he could be the most impactful running back for the Steelers. The question is, is the workload going to be there to get that RB1 label? Uh, we in the media and fans so desperately chase the label with running backs. So I think with McFarlane, he's going to add a pass catching element. He's going to add an outside run element that I haven't seen a ton of with James Conner recently. The question is, uh, can his frame hold up in that kind of role in the NFL? But he'll make a difference. 
Yeah, that's why I see him as a complimentary guy, like a Deion Lewis type back who, exactly. whether it's James Conner or Benny Snell or they like Jalen Samuels, however, whoever is the number one guy, I think he fits in and will have an impact. But like Conner said, this is a, he's 5'8", 208 pounds. To me, it doesn't seem like that doesn't scream Pittsburgh Steeler running backs. So you had Jerome Bettis. You then Le'Veon Bell. Willie Parker. <laughs> Willie, yeah, Willie was, okay. So, we'll uh, but I think there's been a lot of transition in that running back room. It seems like, you know, going back to even the Jerome Bettis days, you think you have your running back and you're all set. And then it's like, well, this backup guy's actually pretty good too. I mean, even with Le'Veon Bell there for a couple of years, he got his job as being the number two guy and then coming in Willie and kind of stealing. Parker. You threw Willie Parker at me. All right, last question. Don't forget, we'll be back Wednesday with the AFC West and Thursday with the NFC West. 5 p.m. Eastern time, breaking those down. His team, my team, it's just going to be a love fest of the Chiefs and 49ers. All right, last question from Garrett Greenlee. Do you think A.J. Terrell could develop a lot faster than an average first-round corner because he'll play Julio and Calvin Ridley in practice? I think it helps. I don't know that he's going to develop faster because of it. I don't think that Julio's going to go full MJ on him in practice (laughs) and demand excellence out of him every rep. He's not going to punch. It's definitely going to help. When you have to face a Julio Jones every day in practice, you get to see what one of the best receivers is going to do. You're going to learn those tricks of the trade. Hopefully Julio can teach him and kind of coach him up on what he's doing and what he can look for. I don't know that it's going to be faster than anybody, but he, he definitely has an advantage there. Maybe not development, but definitely conditioning because he's going to be chasing both of those guys down the field a lot early on in training camp, guys. I think when you look at Terrell, uh, one thing that can really help him, I'm excited about the Falcons' front this year. You added Dante Fowler to the mix. You obviously have Grady Jarrett there. Dan Quinn is somebody that can coach up a front four, a front seven. So I think that'll help him having a little help with guys getting after the quarterback. Yeah, I don't know that it's going to help him be that much better. I think you're going to know if he's good earlier. Like your evaluation <laughs> is going to be easier. I don't know that the development necessarily will come faster or not, but uh, I know I liked AJ Trail a lot until second half of the natty when my man got roasted by Jamar Chase, who we will be talking about a ton when we come back from vacation <laughs> in late July. Cannot wait to talk about the 2021 draft class. All right, that is our show. Follow us on Twitter at Stick to Football. He's at Mellow. He's at Connor J. Rogers. I am at NFL Draft Scout. Don't forget, we'll be back Wednesday, 5 p.m. Eastern time, talking about, I think the Kansas City Chiefs will get mentioned once or twice. But hey, that division looks a lot better post-draft. For Mellow and Connor, it's Matt. We'll see you all Wednesday. Wednesday.